0: Welcome to this further edition of Cambridge Challenges, and we've certainly got a couple of big challenges today. So I'm Lewis Herbert, I was the leader of the City Council for a while, and this is one of several that we've been holding on planning. And there's a couple more to come, including interviewing our respective leaders of both Cambridge City Council and South Cambridgeshire, who are partners in planning for the future of Greater Cambridge. Today we've got Katie Thornborough first and Katie is the Executive Councillor for Planning and Katie will effectively say where the local plan is on issues of water and habitat including how the cam is and the river e- ecosystem. We're really fortunate to have um, uh, such a wonderful river running through our city Uh, And we guess know that water is a challenge, it always has been in the east of England uh, with the limited rainfall at certain times of the year. So the two issues are interlinked. So first of all, Katie Thornborough. Just looking at the local plan first and water supply, where is it at and is there enough water in the system given that there's a proposal for another 50,000 homes roughly?
1: well the current local plan the next stage of the local plan is delayed due to two big issues one is the water recycling plant at milton being relocated in horningsea and that dco process started late there's been a couple of pauses and we need to be certain that that is happening to enable the site in the northeast cambridge which is the most sustainable site in Cambridge for development going forward. We're waiting for that to come through. But at the same time, we we now know that there is a problem with over-abstraction of water from our chalk aquifers, which is like an underground reservoir a natural reservoir with pure water which is filtered through the chalk and comes up in various springs and creates streams and these streams feed into the River Cam. And that is the main source of water for us in the Cambridge region. And only only five years ago, there wasn't really a discussion about was there enough water in the chalk aquifers. But in the, there were some summers where... The springs were drying out. The rivers were... The streams were drying. The the springs stopped flowing. The streams dried out. And we looked more carefully at what was happening. And the planning department, when they make decisions about the local plan, it has to be based on evidence. So they commissioned some consultants to look into the underground reservoir carefully. And that showed... The levels were at a a very concerning height and we needed a lot more information. And at that point, many people realised it's such a big issue. So there's a huge number of stakeholders have got together over the whole of East Anglia to look at what is happening now, what is expected in the future and what options have we got.
0: So so what is the answer? I mean, we've we've already got the Environment Agency putting a blockage effectively on some potential planning applications. Where's the extra water going to come from? And also, you've got some thoughts about actually how much water we waste. So in the water equation, where's the extra water and, and what can everybody in Cambridge do?
1: One of the problems is we don't know how much water is being used for different functions within the city. But we do know the problem is right here and now. But we also know the technical solutions that we could use for new buildings. We could collect and recycle water much more. We could ensure that water low water devices are used. So every home could be much lower. So the average... Does that
0: include every resident at the moment? Because one of the fickle things about planning is it only influences new stuff.
1: That is the problem. I don't think we have the right legislation now for what we need in this area. We have the same building control and requirements as wet whales as we have in dry Cambridge. And in dry Cambridge, we need to build buildings which are really super water efficient or even water neutral. But that's the new buildings. I think going forward we can do it right but currently we can't ask for anybody to build to the levels that we need but we have a problem here and now
0: so there's some national stuff in there What, what would you do and say to government about water and what would you also say to the water companies the ones that are abstracting far too much money from our little hills with no trees
1: Yes, I would like people to listen to what we want in Cambridge. We want homes to be 80 litres, new homes, 80 litres per person per day. And we want commercial buildings to be down at 20 litres per person per day. But we need to understand how much water a life science uses and can they innovate so that they can collect and use recycled water for the the science side. But we also need every person in Cambridge and every business to know how much they use and understand that we we all need to collectively use less. In the same way that people have an understanding about how to measure their carbon footprint, we need to measure our water footprint. Well, it's
0: part of the carbon because it takes a heck of a lot of energy to get it to the yeah. tap. Going on to government, I mean, a number of these things are stuff that the local councils have got no powers on. I mean, we only, our communities don't have any powers on almost anything. But in terms of what they need to do, they need proper building regulations do they because you've yeah. got to rethink what kinds yeah. of water systems are put into new houses or if people put in an ad- adaptation I mean lots mm. of people in Cambridge are improving their homes at t- every time yes. in the year
1: well Lewis it can go both ways a builder might make a very efficient home for water put in low energy use recycling but there's not stop nothing to stop that person taking out a water saving shower and putting in a deluge head or building a swimming pool and filling it up every, every summer so there's, water is very very cheap to use and I do think that one of the water companies is beginning a trial to consider different rates for water so it may be that a family can use a certain amount of water which is relatively cheap and there could be then a well,
0: In the winter and then much different well, arrangements in the worst period?
1: I think at the moment it, it's measured daily there would be a daily amount for a family and it would have to be Adjusted for medical le- needs, and then there would be a level of use which is like a warning. Uh, so, you're being warned you're using more than your allowance, and then it may get more expensive. I think they're trialing something like that, but we do need to reduce our use. But if we reduce our use, the water companies get less income.
0: Well, that's just a problem they'll have to face. I mean, they've got many other problems, including the crap that they put into our rivers. If we just have a look at the issue of how much extra water people use, what about universal metering? What about other freedoms that could be put into local plans if the government would only let us do it?
1: I think about 13 years ago, we were talking about every house being metered, and we're still getting a situation where new blocks of flats are not, individually metered. There could be a single supply to a whole block of flats and then a service charge distributes the cost of the water. Every flat needs to be metered and they need the ability to put in a smart meter in every single dwelling. So we have to do this retrospectively now. We have to retrofit hundreds of flats which have been built in the last few decades and right now we are getting planning applications coming through without a meter on every flat still one water meter for a block of flats that's that's, not good. that's
0: ludicrous and and presumably there's a lot of applications that are sitting around that people have got and they haven't actually activated
1: yes there's a lot of planning applications that uh, developers have not started building because of the what's happening with people buying houses and moving around the country it's reduced we but we really do need new homes in this area and truly affordable homes. And
0: I agree with that and we'll Mm. be covering that in our next programme in a month's time because of the challenges, particularly the unaffordability for everybody of living here. So just going on to another passion you've got and you did set up a big joint event that covered lots of stakeholders, um, this extra abstraction. So we've got water companies that treat Um, the dumping of sewage is nothing, um, including Anglian Water in near Cambridge. Um, But we've also got water companies that could actually be different about how much they pull out, including for agriculture and other uses. You've been a passionate observer of the CAM. You live on the CAM some of the Mm. times. What needs to happen to actually bring back to life Um, there's chalk streams and many of them run into the city but there's some there's some world-class ones in South Cambridgeshire and down into Essex and Hertfordshire.
1: Yes the Cam is very special and we've had a a few summers where it's been hardly flowing at all because there's been no water from the chalk streams feeding it so most of the flow has been the, the outflow from water recycling plants, sewage works but to mainly to a standard that is acceptable but often if there's a flash rain there is sewage raw sewage going into the river.
0: I mean the government's got grand plans, and I think they're sticking to these ones, they've they've slashed a lot of their efforts on climate change, they've got grand plans to require biodiversity net gain for, of at least 10% and there's a target maybe of 20% so that, so that we actually, that would help recover and it would help contribute to the recovery of the ecosystem and the habitat. Mm. Uh, what would you think would be the, the key priorities? I mean, some a key priority but then there's other aspects in terms of just the fact that a lot of life has died. The
1: we've got uh, a very good a lot amount of funding. We have a project in the city called the Chalk Stream Projects, and that started back in about 2019 with just a small budget from the council. But it's ended up having a big budget from the combined authority, and it might be matched. So we is 450,000 pounds. That's to look at the physical aspects of the chalk streams. So a lot of them have been um straightened by by us um a lot of them um are overgrown and so there's a lot of physical work that needs to be done and work to the banks as well, on top of that we need to we need to try and get the pollution problem dealt with
0: and that the nutrients as the, well as the well other, the
1: we know that there is a deposits. sewage problem there's a sewage problem. That is the worst one, my understanding. But we also get runoff from roads, and we get runoff from agriculture. And where the water recycling plants or sewage works are not up to capacity, when new buildings are built, then the risk of more pollution going into the river and creating uh, more uh, nutrients, which negatively affect the river, is increased. Yep. But the legislation about nutrients is, doesn't affect us here in Cambridge. It only it affects areas of special nature like the Norfolk Broads. So we don't apply that here in Cambridge as far as planning is concerned. We need to sort out the, the physical aspects. We need to remove the pollution, but we also need to stop abstracting. the. None of it will work if we don't have the flow coming back. So we have to not just not use more water, abstract more. We have to, over time, reduce the amount of water that we abstract. So, for new buildings, in my opinion, we need the ability to really innovate and have the best water-neutral, water-efficient buildings. And I know we have the engineers and architects who can do that. We just need the ability to ask for that from the government. Then we have to work with the water companies to look at how we can reduce. So they're already looking at working with farmers to reduce the borehole licenses and encourage farmers to store water on their land. So a lot more small reservoirs on their sites, on the agricultural land, in the right place for them. They need help to do that. They need funding. They, we need to put in place... Quick planning so they can get some on with Some dams
0: and some water storage.
1: Yes. There are two big plans. There is a plan to do a Fenland Reservoir near Chatteris and bring in water that way. And there is a plan to bring a pipe from Graffham Water into the west of Cambridge. But
0: They're going to take a while.
1: They will take a while. And Graffham Water doesn't have enough, so they need to bring water from the Grand Union Canal to top up The Graphen grand plan. Before it can come here. So in maybe... 10, 15, 20 years, there could be a lot of supply for water. But with the the, the evidence we've got about the number of new homes and businesses that we're looking at...
0: Yeah, let's just stick to that one, yeah.
1: These big solutions will meet the demand that is coming that we have evidence about. We st- there's still a period from when these these big solutions come in, from now to then. It could be maybe eight ten fifteen years that this is the critical period and this is where I think we all need to work together I would really like the water companies in the summer to call a hosepipe ban a temporary use ban we are we may not be in drought but we may be recovered we've been we've been for several years recovering from drought and people really need to take this seriously and I think a temporary hosepipe ban or temporary use ban will highlight the problem
0: for people. Well, thank you. And obviously, it is about everybody, metering, and it is about the water companies. There is definitely a dialogue, because at the moment, there's a limit to growth, uh, particularly if there was any more than 50,000 homes. It it doesn't add up. So thank you, Councillor Katie Thornborough. That provides us with a great introduction to a discussion, and we'll have in the studio two people um, who've got different views, but um, perhaps we'll come up with the joint solutions between the Cam Valley Forum and um, Cambridge Water so we will see uh, we uh, we'll see what the discussion that follows produces but thank you Katie
1: It's a pleasure to be here <laughs>
0: you're listening to cambridge 105 this is cambridge challenges uh, quite a regular series uh, monthly where we continue to look at planning given the big challenges and here we are today focusing on water and also the habitat of our river Precious River Cam and its tributaries. So following Katie's contribution, we're fortunate enough to have in the studio with us today Natalie Aykroyd, who is Director of Quality and Environment for Cambridge Water, which has been a local water company for over a century and more. And also... Michael Goodhart, who is a Grantchester resident, uh, former architect, well, he probably could still be an architect, and who is a member of the Cam Valley Forum, which has been a very active group in actually digging into the key parts of these issues um, and uh, taking a resident and more community perspective to see exactly what the challenges are. So we're going to do this programme in two parts. First of all, we'll talk about water supply, both uh, to existing residents and then uh, what about the proposal for an additional 50,000 homes and in the background there's a wider proposal from Michael Gove and perhaps Natalie will tell us a little bit about that being part of a committee that's looking into that challenge. So natalie thank you for coming down from tamworth um and being with us this morning we're really appreciative of that i know uh, you've been undertaking a lot of work and uh, there's been an awful lot of conversation so let's start with water supply and the challenges and 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 how cambridge water and the other water companies are responding
2: yeah thanks lewis so we know we all need water to live and By all of us I mean I'm not just referring to us as the human race but also the environment too and unfortunately that can cause attention. so as our population grows so does the amount of water that we use but every water that we use in our homes and businesses means we have to take at least a litre of water out of the environment and in fact we're using more water now than we ever have done. We use twice as much water per person in our homes as we did in the 1970s and also since Covid we've seen domestic water use increase significantly due to increased hygiene practices and more working from home but we've not seen that usage drop back down again even though the pandemic is over and nor are we seeing businesses use um, less water either due to people working from home or hybrid working in fact we've seen increase through covid and beyond and these increases are forecast to continue into the future too so we're using more water but the environment also needs more water And in Cambridge, as you've said, we're lucky to have these abundance of beautiful rare and chalk streams. But that unique geology means that the underground chalk aquifers are pretty much the only source of water that we can abstract from in our area. We know that abstracting from these underground aquifers has an impact on the rivers and we need to reduce that abstraction to restore these precious environments, as well as protect them for the future against the impacts of climate change. And at Cambridge Water, we're planning to make significant reductions to our abstractions from these aquifers in the coming years. We'll need uh, to build some new supply options, though, to backfill that loss of water. And Katie mentioned these. We're working with Anglian Water to develop a transfer of water from Gratham Reservoir and also build a new reservoir in the fens. But building new water sources, treating, pumping water, all of this has an environmental impact. And so it's critical that we reduce the demand for water as much as possible to limit this. Now, firstly, we need to do more at Cambridge Water to reduce leakage. So our leakage levels are one of the lowest in the UK, and we've made some of the largest reductions in the industry over the last few years, but we need to do more. And it's a key area of focus for us today and every day and features really heavily in our future plans. We're planning to reduce leakage by 50% by 2040. That's 10 years quicker than the government target because we know how important this is and how our customers feel about leakage. And then we want to work with our customers, both household and business, to help share the message on why saving water is so important, particularly in the Cambridge region, and give support and practical ways to do this. And then if we work together, we can ensure that there is a sustainable water supply for us and our environment
0: well thank you that was uh, a lot in a short time and i hope that people listening uh, got a lot from that because it does sum up the current position very well thank you natalie michael if i could uh, get you to open in a similar way um, and share your take on water supply and some of the challenges that the cam valley forum have identified
3: yes certainly as katie and natalie have said we urgently need to reduce the amount of water we use Cam Valley Forum have been calling for Cambridge Water to impose a hosepipe ban during the high summer seasons. That is when our chalk streams and springs and village ponds are most likely to dry up and when it is most critical that we reduce the amount of water we use. So we are saying that until water comes from a source other than our depleted chalk aquifer, people should not be using hosepipes between June and September. There is no better way of making people aware of the pressing need to reduce the amount of mains water that we're using than a very well-publicized hosepipe ban. However, we also need to allow the aquifer to recharge through the winter months and everyone from primary school age upwards needs to understand why we must use water sparingly. Cam Valley Forum have 16 top tips for saving water. This is downloadable from our website and the key message is we need to be mindful every time we use water of how precious it is and of a need not to waste it. For example, does the tap need to be run at full flow? Well, if you're filling a bucket, yes, but not if rinsing dishes or washing hands. Every time we flush the toilet, we're sending four to six litres of water down the drain. Remember the saying, if it's yellow, let it mellow, if it's brown, flush it down. In other words, it's not necessary or responsible to flush the toilet every time you pee. Don't run the tap any longer than necessary, particularly when you're brushing your teeth. Don't pour water from the hot water pipes down the drain until the tap runs hot. Get, it, get used to washing your face from the cold tap. It's much more invigorating. Buy water-efficient appliances and fit aerated taps and shower heads. Only run the dishwasher when it is full or nearly full. All businesses, schools and institutions should have a clear policy to ensure that they use water efficiently. In this way, we should be able to reduce our water consumption from the current unsustainable level of more than 140 litres per person per day to something Nearer the target of 80
0: litres. So we'll start with that issue, I think. So, in terms of human behaviour and uh, how that can be changed in Cambridge, Natalie, what would your measures be? You've, you're clearly looking to control it at your end with tackling leakage, but how much do you think existing customers could reduce water and maybe use the runoff from the from roofs better or some of the ways that water does still come down in the summer and is there also a a national dimension to this because behavior is often best shaped by either charging or by by much stronger guidance in the summer where would you go on Reducing consumption.
2: We have to start with some of the great stuff that Michael's outlined there, real kind of small practical tips that you can do in your house without kind of significantly investing, but actually can make quite a substantial difference. Helping customers understand how much water they're using is critical, and that's why our, we're looking at how we can make sure everybody has a water meter over the next five to ten years. Because if you don't have that information, how can you understand how you can make savings? And also, how can you identify where you might have some leakage on your own pipes? leaky toilets, um, they can waste um, a lot of water. And so, you know, without that information, it's really difficult. I think, like you said there, there's another stage around rainwater harvesting, for example. you can Retrofitting those is, at the moment, quite an expensive option, and therefore it's not so popular. It is being looked at on new developments, but there's a lot of innovation going on in that area to be undertaken. And I think that's absolutely right where you say there's a, a national approach to this, so where we're having some of these conversations on a very local scale, because absolutely there is a really critical position um, in Cambridge. We really need to have it on a national scale for some of that understanding to, to get through. We don't want people on our boundaries kind of still wasting water as well, because companies on our outskirts, Anglian Water, Affinity Water, those customers share some of the headlands for our chalk streams and share some of that same environment. So, you know, national messages will absolutely have a, a stronger pull as well, I think.
0: Sort of digging into that, uh, we, we clearly have massive problems in the summer. Hmm. I mean at the moment we've just had a rain for a month and we're hoping for probably a lot more to recharge those aquifers. Mm-hmm. So how will it, how how will it be achieved and and when we you you mentioned water metering should that be compulsory nationally? I mean how how can you persuade people businesses and uh, residents that Installing a meter is in, in everybody's interest.
2: Yeah, so in the Cambridge region, we actually have quite high meter con- um, penetration at around about 74%. So that's that's quite high compared to the national average. But because we are classified as an area of water stress, um, which means there just isn't going to be enough water to go around in the future, compared to the amount of rainfall we get, which is something we know very clearly, that does give us as a water company kind of permission to explore compulsory metering, provided our customers support that. And we've undertaken some extensive engagement with our customers over the last 12 to 18 months to understand customer views on this. And of course it is the only utility at the moment where you don't have to pay for exactly what you use, and a lot of customers think that that's a fair approach but obviously there will be some customers that could be penalised through having a water meter so larger families or those with medical conditions that require water to support that and so as we go forward and we are suggesting a universal metering programme where we will install them in, in every house in the next 10 years in order to do that we need to have those support mechanisms in place so we have tariff to help people on lower income we identify those customers that have those higher usage needs so that we can support customers through that so it's not as simple as just going and putting in a water meter and there's your answer there's a lot of things that we need to make sure are putting around that but that's absolutely our plan and within the next five years every business will have a smart meter in as well
0: well and clearly when people have got a meter they can see it i mean people yeah. have certainly controlled their electric bills um, so so it does bring it home so you've got the funding and the power to effectively encourage everybody and and it will not cost people for the metres, it will only just change the way they're being billed.
2: So, it, th- there will be. So, at okay. the moment, we're putting, we've put forward our business plan in October this year to offwatt our uh, economic regulator, to say this is all the things we want to do in the next five year period and this is how much we think that will cost and this is the impact it would have on customer bills to do all of that work. I mean, that includes things like the transfer of water from Grapham that we talked about. And as part of that, there is a universal metering program in there so yes some of that cost will go through um, to customers I think on average it works out about two pound a bill for a meter Um, and then of course absolutely when you can see your usage and you can understand what you're using at different times of the day as well potentially then that can help you make some informed choices around what you do and and what when you use it
0: so is that two pound for what three months or a year or
2: Uh, over the next five years
0: so the £2 cost to the customer, yes. that's it? Yes. Because effectively, as soon as they start seeing the, the, what they are consuming and they look at how, uh, as Michael has suggested, the sort of detail of how people in the house are producing uh, water usage, then they, can, then they can obviously save more than the £2. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Michael, um, you you really gave us a lot of thoughts about um, controlling consumption and some fairly simple things, because we are a city that's got water stress, even Mm. without the extra homes. Um, So how how would you change things? What can the government do? You've obviously heard what Natalie is proposing, which is quite a comprehensive response. Any thoughts about exactly how the public can be assisted in this?
3: It's very difficult to communicate to the public the, the need to save water. A lot of people are oblivious of it. And I'm afraid I keep banging on about it. But in my view, um, a hosepipe ban is going to make people wake up and realize the problem. And I'm not suggesting that the police have got time to go around um, enforcing it. But um, if it's well known there's a hosepipe ban, then... If people are using their hosepipe, they know they're breaking the law, and so do their neighbours. And um, it, it's that everyone needs to be aware when they turn on the
0: tap that um, they need to use the water sparingly. Well, thank you. And, and your view on a hosepipe ban? Yes. I mean, they don't happen very often.
2: No, so a hosepipe ban is um, one of a range of measures that we could take, and it forms part of our drought plan, which is essentially a plan that tells us different actions we will take based on weather situations um, signed off by the Environment Agency and DEFRA. And as part of that plan, you, you get to certain trigger levels, and when you hit a trigger level, it gives you an action, and that might be... Um, putting in a temporary use ban. Now, in Cambridge, because all of our water comes from underground aquifers, our triggers relate to how quickly they fill back up again over the winter period. Um, So, when we had a dry summer last year, those, those reserves were full, but if we hadn't have had a wet winter, we may have been in a position where we were looking at a temporary use ban for this summer. But we've taken on board some feedback from people such as the Cam Valley Forum and Katie around, are those triggers right? Um, Because we could have had a wet summer and we're still asking customers to then have a temporary use ban. And that doesn't quite stack up when you're trying to get the message across about water scarcity and the impact of climate change. And so we are doing a review of our drought triggers again to make sure they are appropriate. They are taking in environmental factors as well. Um, But we need to change the narrative a little bit, in my view, on temporary use bans, house pipe bans. The government, the press, even our regulators, look at it as a service failure. And actually, we want to get in a position where Mm. we're seeing it as a proactive demand management activity. It's
0: different at different times of the year. yeah, And people need to be aware of that. And people also if people are using unregulated amounts of water just on their lawn that's drinking water that's just being splashed around yeah
2: and we have that we have that narrative um, that some customers will feel i pay for it therefore i'll use it and sometimes when you take kind of quite a strong stance on banning things um that doesn't necessarily pe- pe- people don't always engage with that and, and they feel quite aggrieved through that process and that some of that is fueled by the narrative that we get in the press etc around this is a failure as much as I would love to control the weather, I, ca- I can't. So it's you know um, it's not it's not a failure. It's it's climate change. It's the weather um, that's that's driving these things, and so absolutely temporary use bans have a role to play. I think you know this summer we engaged our can for the can campaign which was asking customers to ditch their hose and use um, a, a watering can instead educating people on the water resource challenge but doing it through that positive engagement route we hope to save about half a million litres of water a day through that and we've just had all the statistics back and we actually saved nearly double that. So, by people actively engaging in that campaign, we save nearly a million litres of water a day. And I'm really hopeful that because people were, you know, educated through that process, really understood what we were trying to achieve, that that will be sustained. And that's part of the problem with a temporary use ban. As soon as you lift the ban, people will go back to the way they were before, potentially. They might try
0: and catch up in terms of uh, looking at their uh, Mexican-look garden and try and then pour huge quantities.
2: Or they're, or they're just, well, it's gone, I can I can start using again. I'm really, really positive that the campaign we ran this summer means that people have, because they've made that choice, they understand the reasons behind it, and they've, they've chosen to do it themselves, that that behaviour will be sustained next year and the year after. And that's what we want. We want that understanding to create sustained change.
0: So we're all in this together.
2: Yes, if, absolutely. Okay.
0: And presumably you'll spend some money because, um, as Michael said, uh, and you said, it there is a kind of view that water isn't important
2: yeah absolutely so that value of water and you mentioned electricity bills earlier and, and gas bills you know they're on a different scale to your to your water bill and therefore do people really value it um and and i think that's really critical and, and you also mentioned earlier so cambridge now has a water scarcity group that the government mm. have put into place to try and unblock. So what,
0: what's it doing and, and who's who's on the group
2: so it's been set up by defra and uh the department for housing and leveling up um communities and it's looking at how do we unblock some of the development that's already stalled in the area due to the water supply challenges but also that future longer-term growth plan as well and how do we enable that and uh, there's representatives from government from local planning water companies And some kind of other kind of key stakeholders in the area and it's looking at what can we do in the short term to reduce the demand for water to undertake things like rainwater harvesting to educate people but actually acknowledging that this isn't just a Cambridge water problem to solve or it's not just for Cam Valley Forum to try and sell the message we all need to be in this together as you mentioned a minute ago and we all need to take action together because that's really powerful then if we can all club our resources and work together, that's when we're going to make the most impact. And the plan of that group is to have some really solid recommendations that they take forward to the autumn budget later this month. And that might look at building standards, which is something that Katie mentioned.
0: Yeah, including uh, the issue she raised where we're now having new blocks of flats in Cambridge which don't have an individual metre in them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty crazy, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah, you know, if you're asking to try and really understand water usage, the way to reduce it is to understand it. And that, that, you know, huge blocks of flats... you you just you just can't do that there
3: yeah well our problem with the drought plan and uh, the whole system of introducing hosepipe bans is we feel it is not fit for purpose now I understand it's being reviewed but the situation was that the trigger had to be reached before they started the process of implementing the ban.
0: So it's so it's a l- sort of binary issue. We, yes. we uh, don't have a problem, we've got a problem.
3: And then four or five weeks before it's implemented. So last summer, um, Cambridge Water didn't impose a hosepipe ban, but Yorkshire Water, Thames Water, various other ones imposed hosepipe bans, but they weren't imposed until mid-August and they weren't lifted until December. Well, that's completely the wrong time for it. We need to have the thing set up so that the ban can be imposed when it is needed, and not have to wait.
0: So, the reservoirs have to be lowering, but not at the bottom, before you start intervening. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you both. We'll come on to a broader subject uh, in a couple of minutes, and focus on aquifers and the habitat that the cam and uh, the chalk streams and other uh, feeding streams
1: cambridge 105
0: Radio. we're going to continue the discussion so we've we've started looking at the issue of water consumption and natalie from cambridge water said that our water comes out of the aquifer which isn't normal in Compared to some parts of the country, obviously there's a number of regions where it does. Uh, we're not a, a city that's equipped with a large reservoir nearby, so perhaps when we go look at habitat, perhaps you could open, Michael. Um, Cam Valley Forum really cares about the city and and the river, and you've you've looked hard at the issues of both the current state of the Cam and the chalk streams and what you think might help solve them. We've we've clearly got an issue about which we already covered, of the consumption of water being a critical issue. Uh, How do you and your colleagues on the Cam Valley Forum look at these issues? Yes, well, there's a misunderstanding that all chalk streams are
3: deteriorating. Remarkable improvements have been made to a number of them. In the Cam catchment, working parties of volunteers and contractors are being guided by organisations like the Wildlife Trust to restore the health of streams. The recent work to the Mell, which flows through Melbourne and Meldriff, are a good example of this. The now well-funded Chalk Streams project should bring about many more improvements. However, many of these streams will run dry if we have another summer drought. This will cause irreversible damage to ecology. That is why it is so important to reduce the amount of water that we're sucking out of the chalk uplands that include the Gogmagog Hills. We must allow our chalk springs to flow and stop pouring much of this water needlessly down the drains and on into the sea. Cam Valley Forum are applying for Sheep's Green to become a designated bathing place. It's a lovely stretch of the Cam, known as the Town Bathing Place. Uh, There are records of people swimming there going back more than 400 years. If successful, this will not only mean that the water quality is officially monitored so that river pollution can be tackled, but it should also release much-needed funding to improve the upstream sewage treatment works. Many people are passionate about letting our wildlife habitats recover and every one of us needs to use water efficiently if our streams and rivers are to flow again with life-enhancing water.
0: Thank you, Michael. Passionate about the Cam, something a lot of people listening will be too. Natalie, the the link to abstraction and and Cambridge Water's role in in helping the Cam improve and the other chalk streams that might not have been uh, recovered as well as the Mel.
2: Yeah. So. Um, Michael's obviously mentioned some of the fantastic collaboration that's going on between organisations and groups in our area, working really hard to protect and restore these chalk streams. And there's some significant work still planned for the future as well. So we've talked a little bit about, we've talked a lot about the abstraction reductions that we need to make in order to protect these. But we also need to look at improving water quality as well. So um, we're working really closely with farmers and landowners in the catchments through a scheme where we offer grants and advice to help reduce fertiliser and pesticide runoff from uh, fields into watercourses and that's through like a range of measures including creating buffer strips or tree planting at the edge of fields which also help improve biodiversity we are planning a really large programme of chalk stream river restoration work at Cambridge Water, which will take place between 2025 and 2030, over £13 million worth of, of work, and we've already identified at least another £7 million worth from 2030 onwards, and that will look at some of the things that um, Katie talked about as well as Michael, and looks at um, restoring riverbanks and meanders in rivers, reintroducing gravel, and basically re these chalk streams to how they were before human intervention obviously the flow restoration is really important in that and we we're going to make some substantial reductions to our abstraction but we need those new supply options to come on board first how
0: how quickly will the level of abstraction be reduced I appreciate that some of it isn't under your control the Environment Agency might be in touch with the farmers how how quickly and what kind of pattern will Cambridge Water be able to adopt?
2: So we'll be working with the Environment Agency, as you say, they control the abstraction licences, so all the people that are able to abstract water from these aquifers. So that would be ourselves, it would be um, agriculture, um, and there are some other kind of private enterprises, maybe golf courses, etc, that also have the opportunity there. So. We got to make some substantial reductions, and we're aiming for those, the vast majority of those, by 2030. We'll then make a next stage as soon as we're able to get more water from Grapham Water, as we mentioned before. So probably around 2031, 2032. And then there'll be another set around about 2040. And that set will be around making sure we're protecting them against... Uh, climate change and future risk, and we 'll be able because, to-
0: because we 're already seeing evidence that the temperature has gone up one point five degrees and that will have several pinch effects on so is there a link there, Natalie, with the rate of build so we 're talking about potentially fifty thousand homes spread over the best part of twenty years, so if you simply said that that 's two and a half thousand homes a year. How does the pattern that you're going to achieve match that?
2: Yeah, so as a as a water company, we are not statutory consultees on growth. We but we have to it's mandatory that we supply it. So we've got all we, we work to all those plans. We do a 25-year plan called a water resource management plan. And we factor in all of that growth and look at what demand we think will come from that, and then we look at what available water supply we have as well, and then we, we marry the two together. As of Katie mentioned. We will have the water from Grapham coming in early 2030. We will build the Fens Reservoir and water from that will be available around 2037. But actually we have this short-term problem over the next kind of eight years where we've got some substantial growth planned, but we don't have the the ability to bring new water into our region Um, and we certainly can't take any more and don't want to take any more from the chalk streams. And that's when we go back to that demand management. That's why it's really important we drive down leakage, really important we drive down our usage and that's not just in homes that's in businesses as well Um, and that's that's our kind of short-term approach until we can get those those longer-term supply options
0: so it could well be the case that the environment agency in intervening on a planning application might actually Halt it for two or four years.
2: Yes, yeah, so the Environment Agency are are looking to make sure that this new development doesn't cause a deterioration. Like Darwin to the
0: Green or the Cancer Hospital in the south of the city. Yeah,
2: so they're, they're keen that we're not abstracting any more water to supply new developments because that might deteriorate the existing environment. So you situation. have to work
0: with the existing envelope.
2: Yes, absolutely. So that's why it's really important that new developments are being able to show how demand are efficient they can be and katie mentioned for example 80 liters per person as did michael
0: and it's in place in eddington as an example um mm. and it, it's the extent to which as michael said the rest of us or the 80 percent of the homes that are already here could achieve quite a lot as well as putting requirements in on each new development
2: yes absolutely yeah and we would love to see water neutrality for new developments it's not necessarily that easy but if you could develop a a development that has uh, the lowest water usage as possible and then we can retrofit at, at other locations, make existing stock more efficient. You know that th- that's probably easier in businesses than it is in homes because there's more to play with, there's more to go at, more benefit. But that 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 should be the first stage, and then move on uh, move on domestic wise.
0: And, and that could involve developers actually taking a broader view. That if they say right, there's going to be 500 homes here, then we've actually not only got to be really low on energy consumption whilst recognizing that new residents should have similar rights to existing ones but they could actually then fund some of the other uh, achievement because effectively if they were required to make a development water neutral one of the areas is that they do some work in partnership with you.
2: Yeah absolutely and the conversations of the existing developments uh, that are going through the process they're they're exactly that um, and that's the sort of things that they're now looking at.
0: Yeah. So, Michael, you, you rightly are championing um, some of the works that have been achieved. Where do you think Cambridge Water and the local council should focus um, in trying to restore the, the tributaries and the chalk streams? W- w- what is the most urgent area? Um, and should there be deadlines? And, and how does that fit with the public also getting access as well as habitat and flora and fauna?
3: Well, it's very difficult, and and, um, uh, a lot of people are very suspicious of Cambridge water, and I hope they hear what Natalie has to say. They see Cambridge water as being conflicted. Water from the chalk aquifer is less expensive to treat than water from reservoirs, and the more water that is used, they think, well, the more profit is made by Cambridge water. Uh, sadly, Cambridge Water is now largely owned by foreign investors, and those investors just want profit to be maximised. Um, there's always the, the question about senior executives' annual bonuses. Are they based on water being sustainable and responsibly, responsibly used for the environment, or satisfying the share price and and the interests of these these investors well
0: you, you've thrown one in there um natalie um how, how would cambridge water see itself and its role um how do you balance the fact that it is a a, a profit making a commercial activity as as well as one that has a, a real challenge
2: yeah so i absolutely understand what michael's saying um you know, my role is director of the environment. I am a chartered environmentalist. I sit on the board for the Society for the Environment. That is my core purpose. And um, and that's really important to the company. That's why I'm there um, with my kind of skills and, and background in that. And we do see ourselves as environmental stewards for our area. Um, there is this misconception that the more water people use, the more profit we get. It actually doesn't work that way. We ask um, off what for the amount of money we need to run our business, to operate and maintain. And that's what sets our charges. We're not allowed to recover more money than that. So it, it doesn't quite work in, the, in, in that way. But I think it's really important that um, we note that we really are on the same page with this stuff we're, we're really keen to reduce our abstraction from the chalk streams as soon as possible we've got our largest environmental program ever looking at restoring chalk streams we have our pebble fund which local community groups can apply for to do work and, and a lot of chalk streams have benefited from that as well as local schools um so i think you know it's it's the the fact that we have our environment team is growing There's a lot of things as a business and our focus is very clearly on this environment area.
0: Well, thank you. And so people can look at the Cambridge Water website and see the initiatives. Can they they find the interventions that you're planning over the next five or ten years there?
2: Yes, so we have got, we've shared our business plan and our water resource management plan. So they detail all of those things that we're looking at. So whether it's new water resources, whether it's our environmental pla- improvement plans, um, they're all on our website under our environment section.
0: And you might be willing to come if there was a Cambridge wide or a broader meeting, and then that way people who probably don 't know a lot at the moment could also come along and and find out i mm. think there's there's more listening in this as as well as um, debate michael you you uh, your priorities for cambridge water well chalk stream restoration
3: um, i suppose um, i mean i I fully accept that Cambridge water have a duty to keep our taps flowing but um um, we do need to work together to find a way that they can do that and um, not harm the environment.
2: I think our critical stance is it has to be sustainable. Yes. Whatever we do has to be sustainable, both for our customers and for the environment, and on equal measure.
0: And, yeah. and you both said in the earlier part, um, we've got to reduce consumption. People have got to wake up to the fact that they are the consumers and there are ways that we can save the precious drinking water by our uh, different patterns, particularly in summers.
3: Yes, if you imagine you're in a third world country and you have to walk a mile to the nearest well and fill up um, water containers and bring it back home, well, you wouldn't be even using 80 litres. You would be using far less water. Um, we in the western world have got used to to the luxury of water but it's a luxury we shouldn't be abusing thank you
0: it certainly is a luxury the fact that people can just turn that tap and out it comes so thank you to my guests any last comments
2: i think i just if there was one takeaway for your listeners it would be to help understand and protect these precious environments if everybody could just take one or two small steps in their household we would make quite a significant difference. And just, I see it like the seatbelt campaign that was, the the recycling campaign. We now, we don't have plastic straws anymore. Little changes can make a substantial difference.
0: Yeah, we've, yeah. we've all got a role there. Yeah, I agree. So thank you to both of you. Thank you, Natalie and Michael. Um, we've covered a lot in an hour. I hope those listening have found this Useful. Do dig further. Uh, have a look at the websites and also look out for Cam Valley Forum. Um, and if there is an opportunity to go to an event, make make use of it. Um, it isn't just about the future growth; it's the future that we've already got um, and the climate change impacts. So uh, we live in a gorgeous environment. We've got to look after it. Thanks for listening. We've got the next couple of programmes are going to be looking. Um, at Cambridge in 2040 including with the two council leaders but also with a couple of other people who've got some really interesting views to share. Cambridge Challenges continues into the new year so we'll be broadcasting those programs in January. Look forward to you joining us another time.
1: 105 Radio.